on, let's give God the praise. He deserves the glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'd like you to turn to each other, and I want you to give them some proclamations this morning because they need to come out of your mouth, and, and who you're speaking to, they need to hear those proclamations. Amen. It's amazing. Um, the most important ears are your ears, and when they hear your voice, your ears actually receive the word coming out of your mouth. Amen. And some, that's one reason why when you pray, you need to pray aloud. Amen. When you read the word, you should read it aloud. Come on, look at your neighbor. So this year, 2020, 2020, you're going to have plenty in Jesus' name. Find somebody. Say, 2020, you're going to have plenty. Tell them one more. Say, in 2020, your miracles are going to be many in Jesus' name. Tell them one more time. Tell them one more time. It's true. Yeah, it is. Now touch that person standing next to you. Now, Father, we thank you for your word to us. And we thank you that you give us a heart to manifest the things that you speak. We thank you for the word of the Lord. For by that word we live. We move. We have our very being. By that word, we are fed. By your word, Lord, we are healed. By your word, we are equipped. By your word, we're set free. And it's by your word that we progress. Lord, may it be so for the sake of your kingdom. In the name of Jesus. Lord, would you give encouragement to every heart that's been discouraged about the ministry you have put upon their lives. Let, you, let them know that it is not too late, that what you have started, you will finish. And Lord, we open our hearts to cooperate with what you're doing. Let your word speak to us. Let it break every barrier in our minds that keeps us from walking into it and experiencing it. In the name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen. Give him praise. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. As you're seated, um, grab your instruments and we used to say, turn the pages. <laughs> I used to even brag about how I love to hear the sound of the Bible pages turning. I used to brag about that. These days seem to be gone past. Uh, and there are many advantages to your electronic instruments. First of all, if you are receiving more years, uh, your eyes tend to need a little more help. Amen. And I, I had to change from the page, the written page. Well, I, I could keep reading the written page, but, but I had to have a lamp on my desk. I had to turn the light up so I could see the letters. Amen. But one great thing about your phones or your laptops or your, your, your iPads is that they are already lit. Amen. That's an advantage. Amen. So turn to that passage of scripture this morning. May the Lord speak to your heart today. Um, Luke chapter 9. We've been speaking about Luke for a few weeks because Luke is contained with a theme that God has given us. And that theme is the theme of generosity. And it, the reason why it's so important is because your life is going to reflect what you give. 
Your life is going to be a product of what comes out of your life. And if you are a generous person, then that generosity begins to flow back to you. If you're you're going to have plenty of miracles in 2020, then this is one of the things that you want to develop. I know when I say generosity, the first thing you think about is money, and that is true. We are to be generous with our resources, but it takes up much more than just resources. It's an attitude that God himself has and that he wants in your life. In these last uh, couple of weeks, even last week, we began with this theme of generosity, generosity and ministry. And I want to speak to you about it. Um, If you can remember last week, we were dealing with this whole issue of the generosity of service. There were three things that I want to speak with you about last week, this week, and next week. And those things are generosity of service and generosity of discipleship and generosity of costly grace. And you you don't want to miss that because, you see, right now you're receiving, your life is reflecting the level of generosity you have lived. Right now, your life is reflecting the amount of generosity you've lived. How generous you were in many areas in 2019 shows up in 2020. Last week, we were dealing with you about this generosity of service. And the passage she read from Luke chapter 9 through Luke 10, if we want to just back that up a little bit, and, and instead of following the sequence, do them in reverse order. There's a reason for that because they, they are connected together. And last week as we talked about generosity of service, uh, generosity of, of service, we, we, we cited Luke chapter 9, but I started you Luke 9 and 1 because Luke 9 and 1, it's not, we didn't read it today, but Luke 9 and 1 is a, a continuation and the Lord Jesus actually does in Luke chapter 9 and 1 the same thing he does in Luke 10 which she read it's kind of important because when you see how the Lord is dealing with his disciples you can understand better how God wants to deal with us amen so every believer every believer you know we have been walking in this pathway. Every believer, tap your, your, tap your neighbor and say, every believer is a leader. It's, a, it's an amazing thing because we don't like to normally think about that because our, our attitude toward leadership sometimes is very negative. In fact, the very culture we live in has now taken on the attitude of always criticizing leaders. People don't want to be called a leader anymore because where it used to be a place of status, now it's a place of disdain. And in the culture, beginning in our own families, when children were allowed to talk negatively to their parents, shifted to to, to uh, teachers talking negatively about their administrations, Congress talking negatively about their president. Mm, Didn't nobody say nothing. I noticed that. It's an amazing thing how it has become a common thing to put leadership down. 
It's not something people normally aspire to because it's become negative. But if you want to get the real understanding for the kingdom, the word leader in, in, in the scripture is really servant. Servant is actually the picture of leadership in his kingdom. It's very different. It's very powerful. And it, it is indeed the very course that the Lord Jesus sets all of his disciples on. Make no mistake about it. If you don't practice leadership as a parent, your children are going to act like they belong in hell. Ain't nobody talking about it. Or ain't nobody talking to them. If, you, if teachers don't learn how to lead their students, students won't become the people that God intended them to become. If you're on your job and you don't take on that rightful attitude of a leader, your whole department is falling apart. Ain't nobody talking to me? Hello? If, if a husband doesn't take the leadership in his marriage, then you'll find them pulling apart instead of going in the same direction. Leadership is a leadership slash servanthood is a powerful, powerful principle in the kingdom of God. My question for you today is what are you going to do about generosity of service or leadership? So we're going to talk about service or leadership, then discipleship, and then the God would permit us costly grace. I won't cover it all this week, but I want to, I want to pick up where I, I left off last week. In the Lord Jesus, you see in, in Luke chapter 10, he calls together the 12 and, and he gives them purpose. He gives a reason for their gathering together. He gives an assignment to them. It's not just ha having a great meal together. They did that, but there was a reason for that. By the way, they didn't choose themselves. He chose them. And when he chose them, he chose them because he had purpose for them. In the same way that he chooses you. And he does to the 12 what he does to everybody. In fact, in chapter 10, in verse 1, he called together the 72. I rehearsed last week. Why 72? I asked Jesus, Lord, why 72? Well, it was amazing as I began to listen and read that in, in Genesis chapter 9, after the flood... There are only, and, and, and God begins to restore, 72 nations. And that number 72 began to become actually the, the way that people would refer to the nations. It became synonymous with the nations, all the nations of the world. Here Jesus is doing a prototype right now. He chooses 72 because what he's saying is this leadership is for all the nations, for all the disciples. And when he calls 72, they're not the ones that have been around him the whole time. The 12 were around him all the time. But the 72, they were, they were, just, they were, there, they were there in the crowd and began to come to see what Jesus was doing. So he calls the 72 and he sends them out to do three things. I want you to preach the gospel. Are you there, saints? I want you to cast out demons. Lord, have mercy. 
And I want you to heal the sick. Now, look at your neighbor and say, I know you never thought about yourself doing this. Tell us, I, know you, I know you never thought about this, but let me give you your ministry right now. Just look at, just look at your neighbor. Just prophesy to him. Don't be, don't be scared. Don't be scared. Just find somebody. Say, he, he, I'm going to describe your ministry, okay? This is some of the stuff that goes on in your ministry. By the way, before you say anything to somebody else, some of you are thinking, Lord, it can't be my ministry. I need some demons cast out of me. <laughs> Lord, uh, it can't be my ministry. My body's so sick, I don't know what to do with myself. You know, you might be saying stuff like that. You might, you might, you might be, you might be, but you might be saying, well, the very three things that Jesus told them to do, I need that first. I need somebody to heal me. I need somebody to, to by the way, when, when he says go out and preach the gospel, the word, the, the word is, is to persuade the mind to persuade the mind, to change their mind. Most people don't change because they never heard the gospel. The gospel is not, I'm coming up the rough side of the mountain. I wish somebody would help me here today. The, the, the gospel, the, the, the gospel is, is, the gospel is not, is, is, is not just singing, just singing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank God for it, but that's not the whole gospel. The gospel is not go to church. Tell your neighbor what I said. The gospel is not go to church. Jesus gives them the task of preaching the gospel. It's to persuade the mind. And Jesus said, preach the gospel of the kingdom. In other words, there's a new order that's come. Do you not know about it? Do you not know that healing's available? Do you not know that forgiveness is available? Do you not know that peace of mind has now come? Do you not know that in your bank account is everything you need to fulfill the purpose of God? Didn't you know that? The gospel tells you what God has done for you. Already signed, sealed, just not delivered yet because you haven't received it yet. He said, I want you to go and I want you to preach. He tells the 72, he tells the 12. I want you to go forth. And, and, he, and it's amazing when he says go forth. It, the word sent, he sent them out to preach. That word sent, uh, the Latin is missio, the word we get mission from. Tap your neighbor and say, God is sending you on a mission. Tap your neighbor right now, tell them. When God sends you on a mission, when God sends you on a mission, he, all, he already knows what you need to complete that mission. I know some of you have thought about maybe, well, preach the gospel that the people that stand up on the pulpit, and, and, and that's, that is a, a part of preaching the gospel, but it's the part that equips you to do what really needs to be done. Because unfortunately, I can't go to every, every household, every door in this community alone. I can't go to every door in Atlanta, although we're working on that through social media. Amen. But somebody has to have a personal contact. Jesus said to the 72, same three things. I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to cast out demons. To cast out demons means to deliver the soul from torment. Look at your neighbor and say, your soul needs to be delivered from any kind of torment. Some of you get freaked out about demons. Everybody knows demons exist. If you don't know that demons exist, don't worry, you probably have one. 
Everybody knows that you need deliverance in your soul. Things that we get addicted to and, and things that we are unable to move forward in our personal lives because we keep doing the same dumb things over and over. Some call that insanity. That's demonic. I mean, are you there, saints? Jesus understood that. He said to set people free, the, 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 the deliverance of demons is part of the daily ministry of the body of Christ. Look at your neighbor and said, you have a ministry. Tell him what I said. You got a ministry. These three things, he doesn't change his mind about that. And by the way, he says he gave them power to do that. The word power there is not dunamis, it's, it's authority. Jesus gave them authority. Go do this. Tell them. It will happen to them what's happened to you. How many of you have been delivered? How many of you have been, how many of you have been delivered? God actually delivered you from, you knew you were going like this. And deliverance came and it turned everything around. Look, raise your hand and look around, saints. Raise your hand and look around. I don't know, if, you, if you've been walking with Jesus a while you, and you have continued with him, then I promise you, if I ask you to stand up and tell me one thing you've been delivered from, it'll blow most of your mind. If you understood the things, if you knew the journey, the details of the journey of the very people sitting next to you. In fact, I think I want to take two minutes and do that. I want somebody to jump up, somebody to jump up and shout, what were you delivered from? Because you're not ashamed. By the way, part of the deliverance is deliverance from the shame. Amen. You know you're delivered when you're not, you're not scared and you're not shamed. Amen. Come on, somebody help me. What, what did God deliver you from? Drug addiction. What? Drug addiction. Drug addiction. I'm sorry, but no. no. <laughs> it's amazing, man. I got that. I got that. I got that sexual immorality. I got that. Hell. Generational curses. What that curse look like, sir? What it look like? I'm sorry. I'm not. <laughs> I don't mean what it looked like now. I know it's beautiful now. What did it look like then? What kind of curse? Abuse? Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Hatred? Yeah, yeah. I've been preaching a former drug, drug addicts for a long time, most of the people in his house with drugs, yeah. In prison? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Give God praise. Come on, just give God praise. I'm sorry. Help me, somebody. Somebody else jump up. What did you get delivered from? Shout it out loud, please, so they can hear it. Rage. That rage will take you to jail. You will go to jail over rage. Yes. Drugs and generational curses. Somebody else. What'd you get delivered from? Witchcraft. Lord, have mercy. Generational drug dealing. You know, that's a, you know, when you got generational drug dealers, I mean, Lord, have mercy, Jesus. <laughs> but but uh, what'd you get delivered from? Domestic violence. Domestic violence. Lord, have mercy. Did you say cussing? I thought you said, I thought you said cussing, and I was going to say God is still delivering me from that. But, but hustling, I hear you, hustling. 
Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Sexual promiscuity. What did God deliver you from? A poverty mentality. Do you know? Do you know that demons? Do you know that poor poverty is a spirit? The Bible talks about the spirit of poverty. Yes, what did, what did, sexual immorality. What did God deliver? Fear and witchcraft, yes. Rejection. Spirit of religion. That's a that's a horrible one. That thing is ugly. Spirit of religion keeps people from finding Jesus. Because nobody wants to be around anybody like that. And they are a misrepresentation of the kingdom. But thank God, she's everything opposite of a misrepresentation of the kingdom. Lord, God, I love it. What did he deliver you from? Come on. Idolatry, Freemasonry. Lord, y'all don't know. You don't know. Yes. Fear of people. You, do you understand? Yes, ma'am. Depression. Thank God for his deliverance. Amen? Thank God for his deliverance. I don't understand why my former police officer is still sitting down, but I will come back to you later. Go ahead. Come what, what, what did he deliver you from? Fear of rejection. Lord, thank you, Lord. Fear of death and being suicidal. Give God praise. Come on, somebody. Bless the name of the Lord. Yes, sir. Okay, so we're gonna we gonna we gonna we gonna address that for the message up before we leave it today. Okay, in the name of Jesus, Amen. We'll address that. It's, it is amazing. The Lord understood. The Lord understands the level and the need of deliverance of the very culture we live in, and that is why the, the generosity of service really what it does. It adds value to the lives of men and women. And when you, when you don't enter into the service God has for you, then there are those who don't get touched because you know what? Your story is perfect for somebody else. What you've been through is, is the exact thing that will deliver the, per, the persons that God either sends you to or sends to you. It's an amazing thing how the Holy Spirit works. I still ain't got my, police, my former police officer and detective. You ain't... You ain't, you ain't you ain't giving me no shout out today. Now you know I ain't going to put your stuff in the wind, but you know, we got history, right? We got 20, we got 30 years of history, so you, you, you cool. All right, all right, all right, all right. But, but God, 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 God is amazing. But please, will you understand this? One of the first things the Lord did before he left, before his crucifixion, what he did, he, he got the 12 who had been with him for a while and had seen him, and he sent them out, right? But he sends them out in chapter 10. But before you ever get to chapter, excuse me, he, he sends them out in the first of chapter 9, 1 and 2. He sends them out to do what he, they've been watching him do. And then to further the whole movement, when he gets to, when he gets to chapter, chapter 10, Verses 1 and 2, he grabs the 72. He says, I want a representation of all the nations of the world. And this is, here's another way to look at it. I'm going to empower every nation in the world to bring deliverance to every nation in the world. 
I'm going to empower every people group in Atlanta to bring deliverance to every people group in Atlanta. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to send out those whom I've already delivered and they will be the agents of deliverance. They will be the agents of healing. If God has ever healed your body, would you please stand up and you know it was a healing. Would you please look around? It's amazing. I'm chief number one, A, exhibit number A, right here on the stage. I woke up this morning thinking about it. And I want to tell you in the name of Christ, the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of the Lord is enough payment to deliver you from every physical ailment you're dealing with. Give God praise if you believe in your heart, in your mind. You may be seated. If I started asking you what he delivered you from or what he healed you from, it's amazing. Look, I'm only pointing this out because I want you to see that God, when he does what he does, it's the same thing. Everybody here who's been in the Lord a while knows Genesis about Abraham, right? Abraham, God comes to Abraham and shows up in Abraham's life. And, 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 and without Abraham's permission, he says to him, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless all the nations through you. And then he says, everybody who's for you, they're going to be blessed. And everybody who's against you, they're going to be cursed. Is that amazing? It wasn't because Abraham was so good. It's that God just simply chose him. And God had a reason for choosing Abraham in the same way he has a reason for choosing you. And when God comes to Abraham and makes that proclamation in chapter 12, in chapter 15, in chapter 17 of, 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 um, of Genesis, he again and again, he says, all the nations are going to be blessed through you. I'm going to multiply you greatly. He ain't got baby the first. He ain't got, he, Sarah's so old, I don't even know she got eggs anymore. Because at 75, hello somebody. Are y'all breathing? So for all intents and purposes, all factory, factory done shut down. You understand? And, 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 and Abraham is like, well, you know, I don't know, Lord. Just don't know how you, but the Lord promises him through your seed will all the nations of the earth shall be blessed and I will multiply you greatly and those that curse you I'm going to curse them I'm going to put such favor on you and such protection around your life those that are for you they're going to get blessed and by the way I don't know if you know it but my wife and I we literally believe that so every time I watch it all the time when we're in the mall and when we go into a shop ain't nobody there we ain't got to be there but just a few minutes here they come because where we are we bring the blessing. <laughs> it's true, man. It's true. You don't believe it? You spend one week with Carolyn Johnson. You understand exactly what I'm talking about. It's an amazing thing. Abraham is the guy that received the blessing of God. But when he received God's blessing, check this out. God comes to him and blesses him, tells him everything he's going to do for him. It is amazing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be before or behind you. I'm going I'm to protect you. Right, and, and I, he, he said, you know what? He says, look up at the stars, Abraham. Can you count the stars? He said, no, I can't count the stars. No, I can't count the stars. I can't, I can't count the stars. He said, well, that's going to be your seed. That's going to be the number. Hey, Abraham, look down in the, in the sand. See, I, 
the grains of sand. Can you count the grains of sand? I can't count the That's how many of you, that's how many your generations are going to be. Ain't got one baby yet. God promises him that. And then Abraham, the Bible says, he believed God. He just simply said, okay, you said it, okay. I don't know how it's going to happen. It seemed like factory, factory clothes. But if you got to open up the factory, whatever you got to do. But you said it, so it's going to be. Now, the reason why I'm telling this to you, because the next thing God tells Abraham, now, go. When God blesses you, Lord, help me with this. When God blesses you, the number one assignment over your life is always, now go. God, when God brings into your life and works his glory and his majesty and his power in your life, the next commandment is go because somebody else needs that. It is the way God works. All you got to do is go through the Bible. Every time he blesses somebody, the next thing, go. But the blessing will come, the miracle will come, and the next thing, they're in contact or they're on assignment or somebody else is now involved in their life. Listen to me, my friend, my, my friend sitting in the seat today. Don't you think for one moment that God blessed you, healed you, preached to you, delivered you without giving you an assignment. Every time God does that in your life, he has an assignment for you. Tap your neighbor and say, have you completed your assignment? Have you completed your assignment? It is the way God works. Are you there? Last week I said to you, Ephesians chapter 2 and 10 is a proclamation of that in a different way, but it's the same thing. Check this out. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Why? To do good works which God prepared in advance for you. What? What? You mean to tell me before I came on the scene, God was working things for me to work. God was preparing an assignment for me. And it was perfect for who I am. Tap your neighbor. Look at him right now. I don't need you to preach to your neighbor. I'm giving you a preaching lesson right now. So when God gives you the opportunity, you know what to do. Look at your neighbor. Say, look, at, look at your neighbor. Say, 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 just, just put it this way. Some hands can't be helped but by your hands. Tell them what I said. Look at somebody says some diseases won't, won't be healed unless you come and minister to that disease. Okay, let's get real personal. Tell them some demons ain't coming out until you cast them out. Tell them what I said. Some demons ain't coming until you cast them Because the way the body of Christ works, the way God works, he always does in you what he wants done in somebody else. If you're, if you're going to clap, clap. If not, don't, you know. But that, that, that's how God works. He works in you what he wants you to work. God works in you what he wants to work out of you. Because that preparation of the works that God has for every single one of you was already crafted before you ever came here. The word workmanship, poemo, is the word we get poem. You are God's master. Tell them you're God's masterpiece. Okay, if you want to look at it another way, take, take the hand and say, you are a work of art from God. Lord have mercy. 
When somebody say you a piece of work, well, we, we, we're, not, we're, not, we're not talking about that. We already know that, right? That's why deliverance came. Let the people say amen. But this is amazing. To me. I, want, I, don't want, I want you to get, though, as simple as it is, I want you to let it come to your heart. Because some of you walk right by ministry. Some of you have walked right down the street. Some of you are sitting right next to ministry. Some of you work right next to ministry. Some of you live next door to the ministry of God that he wants. Works that he prepared for you before you ever came here. Your life does matter. Your journey matters. Your pain matters. And God wants to use it for his glory. And he gives us that, this is why this particular passage is really heavy because you, you, you really, if you're going to serve God, see most people won't serve God this way because something else has not happened to them yet. This is going to tell you in a moment. But I want you to be clearly convinced today that the works that God prepared for you and that's why he calls you a work of art. Not, God doesn't call you a piece of work. He calls you a work of art. Oh, yeah, amen. Because I know some of y'all was a mess. Look at your neighbor and say, yeah, that's you, a mess. A mess. You are a mess inside, you are a mess outside. You couldn't do nothing but mess. Everywhere you left, everywhere you went, you left a mess. Are you there, saints? You were like a child that is not, oh, Lord, help me. I saw the picture. You were like a child that was not potty trained. Hello, somebody. Everywhere you went, it was horrible. And then God came. And by the way, in case you forgot it, God used somebody like you to help you. And likewise, it's the same, it's the same revolution that God is using. Make no mistake, Metro, this house, hold the hand of your, your neighbor. Your neighbor sitting next to you. This house is a multiplication of ministry. Tell them what I said. This house. This house is a house of servant leaders who obey God. And God uses mightily to preach the gospel, to cast out demons, and to heal the sick. So the kingdom of God may manifest. Now clap your hands and just give him, just give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And God does this because he has, he has others in mind. So he, he's been working on you. By the way, some of you, the pressure that you're under right now is no more than the hand of God dealing in your life to shape you up pressure that you feel in areas of your life where you've refused, where you've resisted the Holy Spirit, where you've not been obedient to the Lord. There's no joy in your life there. And it's supposed to be the place of joy, righteousness, peace, and joy. God comes. Why is that? Because God is not done. The works, your works are not done. My grandmama used to say, boy, don't you let him catch you with your work undone. Okay, I need, to help, need you to help me this morning. Look, tell your neighbor, this here this morning, this is not your work. 
It's not your work. This is not your work. Going to church is not your work. Lord, have mercy. Take, take, take a hand and say, this is your instruction. <laughs> instruction. That's what I think about. That's what I think about. So, beloved, the Lord does this, and, and, and he takes your skills, your talents, hmm, your gifts, and he, he's constructing something absolutely profound and beautiful. You are a work of art. I know you came here a piece of work. I know you did. Your mouth proved that. Some of you remember where your, where your mouth was, right? <laughs> Lord, have mercy. But look at your neighbor and say, but, but God is now shaping you into his masterpiece. That's why when your work is done and you breathe your last breath and you're in the presence of God, even as our sister Joanne is in the presence of God rejoicing right now, she always loved to dance. She probably dancing now. When, when, when all is done and, and when all is finished, that the Lord Jesus there it, it will welcome you. Others will be welcoming you. And it's all about your work. Did you complete the purpose for God in your life? Excuse me. God is so awesome until you can't screw it up enough that God can't fix it. Tell you neighbor what I said. I know you, I know you, some of you reverted back to diapers. I know. God knows. Some of, some of y'all, y'all ran to the store and got some, what they call them, pull-ups. Because of the mess. But that's, that is why I'm telling you what I'm telling you right now. That, that the pressure in your life, the places of resistance, Generally, it's God, the master worker, trying to get you, shape you to do the works he's called you to do. And that's why many of you, if you're waiting for you to, your life to get perfect, you will never get it done. Most people who don't succeed in life is because they wait for all situations and circumstances to become perfect. If that be the case, you would need to have to do nothing. And it's never going to be perfect. God didn't come to you in your lifetime when your life is perfect. He comes when your life is messed up. He calls you when you're in trouble. He calls you when you're on the bottom. He calls you when you think you're on the top and everything is about to fall apart. Then God comes. Because you see, God is the God that wants you to respond to the Lord. Then, now, he can accelerate the work. Tell your neighbor that if you respond, he'll accelerate the work. He will relieve your pain. Some of y'all been in pain for too long because you've been, you've been resisting God. If you just obey God, he, he, he just, whoop, just fix that. Mm, mm, mm. By the, that gets to an, a, a message of another color. But, 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 but check this out. Your talents and your skills, your experiences are woven, and God uses that to save and to help a world that is lost. 
They don't know what to do. They think they know, but they don't know. And God will wait until they got 10 knots upside their head, until they, some of them, they're almost dead. And then here you come, Lord have mercy. Here, here's your story. Here's your description of the truth. And they're all ears because that's mimicking the life they've been leading. It's no accident the people you bump into, that you keep bumping into the same people. It's no accident that you see the same people crossing your path every day. It's no accident that God brings back into your life people that were formerly in your life and now they're back in your life. Don't you understand? You're one of the 72. Lord have mercy. Tap your hand, put your hand on your name and say, you're part of the 72. You got work to do. Have mercy, Lord. So the first generosity is the generosity of serving others. But you can only discover this if you experience number two. And number two is the generosity of discipleship. So I got to take a few seconds to explain this to you right quick. Because number one, service, comes out of discipleship. Now check this out. Look at the story and you'll get it. See, there are three persons who offer to follow Jesus. How does Jesus respond to the ones who offer to follow him? Go back to the text and I'll show you. Mm, are you there, saints? Verse 57, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Are you on it? Are you with me? Have we got it up there, Kenny? Can we get it up there? Jesus replied. Check this out. Listen to Jesus' response to the guy that says, I will follow you, Jesus. I will follow you. What did Jesus say? What did he say? Read it. What did he say? So what, what the Lord is doing, what the Lord, he, he, this is so heavy to me. We have passed this up so many times. Here the man is volunteering to follow Jesus, right? And then Jesus says, you sure you want to do that? I didn't write it. Keep it up there, Kenny. I didn't write it. They can see me all right. He says, uh, he said, foxes, they got holes. Birds got nests, but I ain't got no place to lay my head. You still want to follow me? Are you still there, saints? Look at verse 59. He said to another man, follow me. But the man said, now notice the first guy says, he, Jesus didn't ask him. He just said, I will follow you, Lord. I will follow you. The Lord said, uh-huh, right. But then look at the next person. Check it out, verse 59. He said to another man, follow me. That's what Jesus said. But the man said, are you all with me? Lord, first, come on, read it. Let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, what did he say? Some, and you know, today in our culture, that's somebody said, that's cold-blooded. That's cold-blooded. I've had, uh, I've, I've, uh, I've seen more funerals than I want to see in the last year. 
So I do understand the sensitivity of losing and having lost loved ones in 2019. I know what that is. When Jesus says this, he's saying something deeply personal. And we need to, we need to decipher to understand it. And then Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Are y'all still there? Still another man said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, come on, what is it? What does he say? And then Jesus said, look, listen at his reply. What in the world? He said, no one, read it for me, saints, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back, you're not fit. You don't qualify for service in God's kingdom. What? Have mercy. I think it's worth looking at when we consider the fact that if you're going to be generous to other people and God will use your life and your skill and your gift and your ministry to bless other people, to add value to their lives, to, to, to deliver them from the kingdom of Satan and bring them into the kingdom of light. If you're going to do that, there's something that needs to precede that. Are you still with me, saints? Now, now, the first ones I want you to see, because it's really important that you understand, when he says, Jesus, he said, I'll, 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 I'll follow you, Lord. They're volunteering, right? Well, <laughs> kind of interesting. Jesus said, you, 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 slow down, you're moving too fast. And the ones he said, follow me, well, first let me. Jesus said, well, you know, you, you're moving too slow. Are you there? Jesus deals, <laughs> Jesus deals with the number one hindrance to service, the service of discipleship. We don't become disciples for, there's one huge reason why. And God gave this to me several years ago. I just didn't know how to fit it. I, I understand the, the truth. I understood the principle. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to, how to, I'm here. Yes. Oh, boing, boing. Fine. Okay, good. I just didn't understand because I didn't understand how to, how to articulate it. I, I could have articulated it better. But Jesus does a really good job with the same thing because there's one thing that keeps people from moving into the discipleship that he has for them. Number one thing. I wonder if you know what it is. It's not drugs. Not sex. Thank God for deliverance. Family. Check it out. Now you know a dead person cannot bury a dead person. So Jesus didn't mean that literally, right? When he said let the dead bury the dead. He's not talking about physically dead, otherwise they're impossible. He's talking about spiritually. They are, they are dead to the truth. They're dead to an understanding of who Jesus is. In other words, he's after something. Jesus is after this. First, first let me finish my education. Let me get my degree first, then I'll serve you, Jesus. Let me get my promotion first, then I'll, then I'll follow you, Lord. 
Let me get my business off the ground. Then I'll be your disciple. Let me have enough fun. I remember we, as college students, we used to say, Jesus, please don't come yet. We've not had sex. I remember that. I remember those days. Some of y'all, y'all laughing because, you know, you're you probably in that number two. So, Lord, you, people preach about Jesus is coming and he will break the sky. He will break the sky and the dead in Christ will rise. You know, no, no, I don't want to hear that. Don't come. You can't come. Don't come in this generation. I ain't experienced enough yet. It's true, Lionel. We, we actually, we, we, we grew up in that generation. One thing that keeps people from following Jesus is that first, Jesus is preaching to an, an intensely patriarchal culture. And when you, and family was everything. Worst thing that ever happened to you in that culture was to be excommunicated or eliminated from family. In a Jewish family, you could be out of the inheritance, out of the business, out of the life of the family, all the father had to do was just basically said, you're out. It was intensely patriarchal. And I have watched it through the years. People think Jesus, his hand is on their life. His call is imminent. His call is, is, is evident. But somebody in the family holds on to them in a way that they are unable to fulfill the call. Somebody in the family is giving undue pressure so they can't say, yes, Lord, all that I am and all that I have, I will follow you. They can't do like the young man did in the Old Testament. He burnt, he said, Father, I'm being called, I'm burning the oxen, and I'm burning the plows, and I'm leaving. And Jesus, when he says, follow me, he means exactly that. Look at your neighbor and say, nobody can be before him. <laughs> you can't be his disciple and have something else before him. When I get old enough, when I get enough education, when I finish my seminary degree, when I, when, when, when I finally, you know, when, when I finally reach the, the next level of finances, then I can do it. When, when I eliminate all my debt, no, that's Jesus. And no, when Jesus says, follow me, he doesn't mean someday. Look at your neighbor and tell him what I say. He don't mean someday. One thing you may not know, you may not know what the enemy has plotted for your life. So when Jesus says, follow me, he does so to, de to deliver your life from destruction. But many people are not able to do it or won't do it because family. I know I'm dealing with some sensitive situations even in this house. And so when I say this, I do not mean to cast anything upon you. But there are some that there, there, there are relationships, close relationships. One pulls on the other. So the other can't respond or won't respond. I would follow you, Jesus, but, you know, it, it just costs me so much hell when I go back home. Are you all breathing? One way you know, one way you know you're going to be successful is how much pressure did it cost you to say, yes, Lord, and go. 
And Jesus makes a precedent. And he says, I tell you what, when you serve me first, you, you, you be the example first, and I'll take care of the ones that are not an example. But you're going to have to walk through that suffering period. By the way, who told you if you follow Jesus, you weren't ever going to suffer? Who told you that foolishness? Who told you that lie? I can't get no, I can't get no love this morning. I ain't getting no love. Y'all want that gospel that says, oh, come to Jesus. Uh-huh. He'll make everything all right. Yes, he will. Come on to Jesus, sister. Mm-hmm. He'll heal. Yes, he will. He'll say, yes, he will. He'll deliver. Yes, he will. He'll put money in your pocket. Yes, he will. He'll fill up your bank account. Yes, he will. But Jesus said, if you follow me, you're going to suffer. Look at your neighbor and say, what kind of suffering have you had for following Jesus? I know you don't want to hear that because it's not popular today. When the word of faith message was released, attached to the word of faith message was an era. And that era was, if you follow Jesus, everything wrong was going to be made right and you weren't going to suffer. I'm sorry, all who live righteous in Christ Jesus suffer. And then he said, I'm going to give you houses and land, mamas and, and I'll give you mothers and whoever leaves mother and father, whoever leaves brother and sister, if you leave them for my sake and for the gospel, I will return it to you. I will give unto you mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and houses and land with persecutions. That's what the Bible says. Who told you it wasn't going to cost you anything to follow it? Are you crazy? Who would dare preach a gospel without pain and suffering? Even Jesus had pain and suffering. <laughs> he followed the Father. And what did it cost him? It cost him everything. And it gave him everything. I'm sorry, this is a little different gospel. But, but when you follow Jesus, there's some things that gonna, you're going to have to deal with. Costly discipleship. The ministry of discipleship. The ministry of discipleship, the generosity of discipleship means that I put you first. I can't afford to have when I, as soon as I, but let, first let me. No, that's not, Jesus understands. Somebody who puts something before him, they're not ready for him. Look at your neighbor and say, they ain't ready for him. You ain't ready for him. Because by the way, if you try to follow Jesus with putting something before him, what you get is religion. Tell your neighbor what I said. All you get is religion. So, you know, you ain't going to inconvenience yourself. You go to church, but that's about it. Because first I got to get this, and first I got to and first I got to and so and so. And then any inconvenience, you, you finally say, well, you know, well, I'll get that done first. Jesus understands if you're going to be, talk to your neighbor. You're looking at me like I lost my mind. Talk to your neighbor. So if you're going to be Christ's disciple, he requires him to be first and him alone and nobody else. I'm talking to the body of Christ because where the Lord wants to take us in 2020, you've never been before. What the Lord wants to do with your life in 2020, you have not done before. And therefore, you must have that first mentality. 
You must understand that God, God is the one. When he calls you, he's the one also. And by the way, the pain that you get when you follow Jesus or the suffering that you get when you follow Jesus, he has that same blood heals you from the pain. Tell your neighbor what I said. That same, the same Lord who calls you to follow him will heal you from the suffering that you experienced when you did. So when people say, you know, uh, I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm not going to live this way. My, my family threw me out. Jesus understands that. Keep walking that way. For not many days hence, God going to deal with that situation. And at the end of the day, they're going to turn around and applaud you and thank you. Hello, somebody. It's the same kind of thing with Joseph. They tried to kill him and they tried to put him, they put, they put him in the pit. But the same one they put in the pit and is the same one they had to come to and get that thing right at the end. Now, I don't care who rejects you. I'm telling you when you follow Jesus and you put him first, he'll take care of those who rejected, who put you down, who talked about you, who cut you off. God will take care of that. But he needs somebody to step out first and be what he asks you to be and do what he asks you to do. I can't come to the party anymore. Tell the party where to go. If you say yes to God and say no to the party, God will make you the party in the days to come. They be coming to you talking about, uh, uh, will you pray for me? It's the way God works. So when the Lord says, you know, if you're talking about first, I'm going to say goodbye to my family. I got to say goodbye to my family first. Jesus said, you know what? Anybody who puts his, who puts his hands to the plow and turns around and looks back, he ain't qualified for the kingdom of God. What? What? Put that back up there. I'm going to end it on this, Kenny. That verse right there where he says, if you put your hands to the plow, what an incredible picture he puts in their minds. They understand that. They are a farming community. They get it. You may not get it because you may not have ever been in the country. Of course, I mean, take that back because three quarters of y'all walked in the mud in your childhood. What is that? Check out, check this out. If anybody has ever plowed, there's some things required. First of all, the reason why your hands are on the plow because you got a powerful animal in front of you pulling the plow. And you are the one that steers to make sure that the rows are straight. Because the more straight rows you have, the more productivity you get. You put your hands to the plow, you don't, you, one thing you ever, you never do, you never take your eyes off the plow when you're plowing. And what God, what the kingdom of God is calling for today, and what 2020, what 2020, the, 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 the qualification for you receiving from 2020 what God wants is extreme focus. I don't have the time to break open the study that they have done how electronics, how they are all devised to break your focus. You don't believe me? You can talk to any teacher in the institutions and they'll tell you one of the greatest problems they have. They can't get students to focus. And it takes that to solve problems. So our present educational system is telling folks stories. 
instead of teaching them how to solve problems. Because they can't focus. When you got your hands on the plow, you cannot afford to take your gaze off that. The road must be straight. Check this out. If you're plowing and there's a rock in the soil, you can see the rock coming. So you can hold up on the plow because if you break the plow, your productivity is over. And that's what happens when you break the plow when you hit a rock going at the speed you're going. Jesus said that if, if you want to follow me, <laughs> no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit. Tap your neighbor and say, I want you to get fit. Come on, tell them what I said. I don't want you to get fit. Get fit for service. I have an assignment on me, and that is to get you ready to serve. You can no longer just come. Tap your neighbor and say, you, can't, you can no longer just come. You have to be fit to serve. I have not completed my assignment if you're not serving. That's why I'm here. And that's why it's so crucial. You can never take your eye off the field. You can only plow one pharaoh at a time. If you hit a rock, it's over. That's why some Christians, they, they have one terrible, rocky place in their life, and they quit. And they leave, and they, and they go away for five or six years. Then when their life is so miserable, they show up again. Are you guys okay? Saints, and we're going to, yes, we're going to reap some of that harvest. But I tell you what, when they come back, and when you come back, some of, you are, some of those I'm talking about, you're here today. As you come back, God's going to fix your eyes clearly, succinctly, in the center of what God wants. I don't know if any motorcycle riders in here, any, motor, any previous motorcycle riders, we got one. Thank you, brother. I appreciate one. Did I see somebody? Trish, you rode my, you ride, you ride motorcycle? On the back. She said, I've been on the back. I'll be on the back. <laughs> Lonnie, you ride motorbikes? Huh, I mean, yeah, I got no motorbike. Oh, 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 oh. What'd you ride, man? What'd you ride? Honda, Yamaha, Suzuki, <laughs> but it was a motorbike, right? And then, 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 then. I, well, my wife put me on a moratorium, so I am not allowed by our marriage covenant. I'm not allowed to, uh, yeah, amen. So, but there was a time when, uh, yes, it was nothing like going, going 90 miles an hour with your hair on fire. Man, with the scenery's coming up so quick, you know, and you're looking way down the road, but it's coming up so quick, you know, you hope a dog don't run out. Amen. Anyway, one thing I learned on a riding a motorbike, the bike goes where your eyes go. That's why you're on a motorbike, you don't ride and do this. Oh, no, you don't do that. Because when you turn your head, the bike automatically starts going that direction. And the faster you go, the quicker it goes. 
So your focus is everything. Close your eyes before the Lord today for a second. Generosity of discipleship means that he alone is first. Non-negotiable. You're not trying to you're not trying to figure out whether you're going to do this or not. It's like, okay, I'm going, Lord. I will. Family becomes, Lord, have mercy. When you follow Jesus, family becomes second. And when you follow him, he will put your family first. When you follow Jesus, family is second. But when you follow him, he puts your family first. In other words, he rearranges it the way he wants it. For all of you that are married, hear the word of the Lord. If your partner is number one and Jesus is number two, you can never achieve what Jesus wants. But when Jesus is number one, he will reorder that relationship. And the one who's the only one who can make the two one will do so. But he must be, he must have the preeminence. He must have the first place. He deserves the first place. There can be no second. When Jesus calls you, when Jesus summons you, he doesn't summon part of you. Summons all of you. Because to be a disciple is to be a lifetime learner of Jesus. Whatever you want, Lord. Yes, Master, whatever you desire. Yes, Father, I'm at your service. Whatever you command, I will make it so. And so Jesus addresses the crowd the way he does. What about you? This is 2020. This is January 2020. Is he number one? If he's number two, we used to say it this way. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Only you can make that decision. Only you can make that decision, baby. Only you. That's why it's confession of mouth. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then salvation comes. Then deliverance comes. Then healing comes. Jesus knows where he's about to take you because he's the one that prepared those works for you. So if you go complete those works, he knows he has to be first. Father, in Jesus' name, would you do the rearrangement in the heart of these who listen today, would you rearrange so that you have the preeminence, that the decision, that the volition, let it now be released and made known before heaven and before demons that there is no other first in my life but you, Father, you alone. And whatever you desire, that 
we will do it. The courage I need, you'll give it to me. The power I need, you'll give it to me. For those, Father, who are making this old, new decision, give them grace and give them courage. Give them boldness to let it be known before heaven and before earth and even before hell that you are the Lord of their life. Prepare them, Heavenly Father, for great exploits in 2020. We can serve others, Father, because we are willing to be your disciples first. For everyone who's sitting in your seat right now who need to affirm that, some of you need to make the statement, the, the decision again. Some of you maybe have never done that before in your life. But there's a grace in this house today for you to say yes. I want you to rise to your feet. Everyone, arise to your feet. Stand. If we're going to be what God has called us to be, if we will be that masterpiece, if we will be that work of art, then you've got to lose that piece of work. You're going to have to decide, okay, Lord, you just fix me. I'm, I'm going to make the choice. I'm saying yes. Whatever you want to do, you can, you can do it. Forgive me, some of you are saying. Forgive me, Lord, for putting you second place. Forgive me for serving you out of convenience only. Forgive me, Lord, I was serving you, but it just got so, I got so frustrated and painful, I just decided, well, I'm, I'll, I'll put that on the back burner for right now. But today, I hear, and today, sir, I answer your call. I do not shirk back. I don't, I won't take my hands off the plow and I won't turn my head. And I thank you for the privilege of following you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.